Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. It was very humiliating for the Egyptians, for the Egyptians to come to Joseph you know, come to the, the Egyptians, come to the Jewish boy and tell him that we don't have any food in our pantries and we don't have any more money under our beds. You know, very humiliating, very open, very honest, very humiliating to confess that to one of those abominable Hebrews. And that was humiliating also for the Egyptians because it's like a person today who comes and confesses that he's a dirty, rotten sinner. That's not easy. You got to confess that to a Jewish man who didn't have a home to call his own, or as he put it, a place to lay his head, who was despised and rejected by his own Jewish people and then was crucified as a common criminal. But when you're a dirty, rotten, lost sinner that's afraid of being cast into hell, then you're a dirty, rotten, lost sinner that's afraid of being cast into hell and you do what you gotta do. And if a sinner didn't 100% love the Lord Jesus Christ before for the beauty of his life, the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ goes on to save him as a lost sinner from his sins, make him a child of God, that makes the person totally fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Egyptians... They already knew the kindness of Joseph. They, they knew he wasn't going to say, well, now you should have listened to me. You know, you should have listened to me when I told you that you had seven years to collect the food for seven years of famine. So this serves you right. So you just go out there and starve a little bit. So I'll teach you a lesson and I'm not going to help you now. That wasn't Joseph. That was not Joseph. Joseph was loving and he didn't say anything about why they didn't listen to him to store up the food. You know, the, Joseph, he could have been angry with them. Joseph could have been angry with the Egyptians for not listening to his warning. And, and, and he could have said, you really have offended me. He could have said that by not taking me seriously. You didn't listen to me. But, I mean, and it was personally offensive to Joseph to have been ignored by the Egyptians. But you could not find on the face of the earth a more forgiving person than Joseph. And as often as we take the trash out of our houses, which I do that a couple times a day, but as often as we, especially the the trash that degrades, the other trash I leave in all week, but the one biodegradable goes out right away. There's a lot of regulations in my house anyway. As often as we take the trash out from our houses or that our houses don't stink with the trash, Joseph took the trash of offenses out of his heart so his life didn't stink from the grudges 
that he would that he held against people. He didn't do it. That's one of the sterling qualities we see over and over again with Joseph, with the life of Joseph. So what's important for us to see here is how the Egyptians, how they got the bread. They received the bread. You know, the Egyptians, they received the bread. It, it wasn't Joseph coming to their houses every day and knocking on the houses. You're a little short of bread today? A little short of bread? I figure you got to be running out by now. So here I am. I, I, I brought my truck. You see, it says the Egyptian Bread Relief Society. <laughs> and I'm here to give you bread. You have to need it now. He didn't do that. Joseph did not do that. He waited for the people to feel their need and to come to him, which was ha- what was happening in verse 15 when it says, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? The money faileth. Those are very important words in verse 15 when it says, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph. They had to come to Joseph in order to receive bread. A person today has to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as a lost sinner to be saved from being cast into hell for his sins. Now, let's just say that there was one Egyptian who said, I'm not going to go one of those abominable Hebrews and beg for bread. I got my pride, Egyptian pride. You might say that. Anyway, and so if an Egyptian said that, he said, you know, well, I know I'm out of bread and I'm out of money, but I have my pride and I'm not going to admit that. I'm going to pretend like I still have food and money. Then he starves. That's all. He starves to death. And that's the way it is today with lost sinners and God. And that's why these words are so important in verse 15 when it says, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, give us bread. And so just as the Egyptians had to come to Joseph in order for them to see bread, every person has to come to the Lord Jesus Christ to receive the pardon for his personal sins and the cleansing from his personal sins. And just as if an Egyptian had said, wow, I know I'm out of bread, I'm out of money, but I have my pride. Am I gonna admit that? And all those other Egyptians, they can go and beg bread from that Hebrew, but not me. I'm just gonna, um, not, that's not me. It's the same thing if a person says that, that similar things today. Well, I know I've sinned, I need a pardon, I need cleansing, but I have my pride. I'm not gonna go admit that in front of others. You want me to go walk down some aisle of a church where people can see me? No, it's not me. I'm just going to pretend like I haven't sinned. I don't need God's pardon and cleansing. If a person does that, he dies in his sin. He gets cast into hell. And so Joseph didn't come to everybody's street with the Egyptian bread relief society truck. And God doesn't automatically save everyone from their sins. The Egyptians had to come to Joseph confessing that they ignored his warning that they, that, and confessing that they were starving as a result of it. Every person has to come to the Lord Jesus Christ confessing that he sinned, that he's a dirty, rotten sinner. And it was because the people were honest and they were open with Joseph when they said, why should we die in thy presence? For thy money faileth. And after they confessed their fault of, of not collecting food and confessed their true condition, were dying as a result of it, because they were so open, because they were so honest, bread flowed, help flowed from Joseph. And unless a person was willing to come to the Lord today like those Egyptians and just can say, I'm a sinner, you know, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, no help, no help. But when a person does do that, help comes. And God pleads with people, don't say you're innocent. 
don't say you're not a sinner. He says that in Jeremiah 2.35. Jeremiah 2.35. Yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely his anger will turn away from me. Behold, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest I have not sinned. See, that's God pleading. He says, don't do that, because if you'd stay on that side, where you say, I'm innocent, I haven't sinned, I'm not a dirty, rotten sinner. God says, there's no help for you. You're going to starve like the Egyptians. But if you come and you, you come with your sin confessing, then like the song says, come with thy sin confessing, thou shalt receive a blessing, like the Fanny Crosby hymn says, then help comes. No help for God. No help from God for a person who comes to God and says, I'm innocent. But help from God starts with, oh, God, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. It's my fault. So Joseph begins to help the Egyptians when they confess their need in verse 15. The people, when the people did come to Joseph, Joseph didn't say, ah, okay, I just, you know, I'll just give you bread and you don't have to give me anything. It's okay. Here you go. He didn't do that. Take as much bread as you want. You came and you told me, so it's fine. The door's open. Go in, fill your bags. It's all free. It's a great day. He didn't do that. No, no. We see Joseph said to the Egyptians after their money ran out. In verse 16, in verse 16, Joseph said, give your cattle and I will give. Uh, give you for your cattle if money fail. So he says to them, bring your cattle to me. And we can imagine the Egyptians saying, cattle? You know, first he takes all our money. Now he wants our cattle. You know? But the point is that Joseph did not make the bread free. It cost the Egyptians to get bread to live. First, it cost them all their money, and that money was their security. That money was security for the future, their nest egg for rainy days. Let me ask you a question. What do people fear the most today? What would you say? Death? Death. Okay. Death. Death is in the future. And that's what they fear the most, the future, the future. Why? What's going to happen to me in the future, that scary time of the future? Oh, the tomorrow. What's tomorrow going to bring? Is the pain going to get worse? And this is the fear of the future that causes people to buy insurance. They buy insurance for the future, insurance in case there's a future expensive health problem insurance to, uh, in case there's a future fire, a future flood, a future car accident, a future robbery, even a future burial they buy insurance for. And it's all these horrible fears. What if my body dies and it's just laying on the street? Oh, I need insurance to bury me. All these horrible fears about what's going to happen in the future, that's what people are most afraid of, the future. Look, I really like the soft rubber Dr. Scholl's shoe inserts. You remember those? They had the yellow package. Yeah, you remember. I really like those things. They're so soft. They put a bounce in your step. They're like a secret lift in your shoe. No one else knows it. No one else can see it. But for me, because I'm so light, (laughs) they wear out every week. I'm a little hard on them. So one day, I got afraid of the future. I got afraid that what if Dr. Schultz doesn't make those anymore and they become discontinued and I go through a new pair every week. So you know what I did? 
I sat down and I calculated how many weeks I was expecting to live in the future. And I figured I would die at 85 and I was 50 at the time. So it was 35 years gym. So I took 35 times 52 weeks per year, which came to 1,820. And you know what I did? I bought 1,820 of those, those Dr. Scholl's shoes inserts. So I put all those 1,820 pairs of Dr. Scholl's shoe inserts in the garage. And then I go in the garage and I'd say, oh, I feel real, real secure now. Very safe. Look at all my Dr. Scholl's shoes inserts. And just as I figured, just as I was afraid of, they discontinued them. You can't find them on the shelves anymore. They stopped them. And I thought, ah, that was the right decision. But then I got tired of them. I stopped using them. Now I have all those pairs in the garage. I don't use them. But I'm not going to put them on eBay because I might want to go back to them and I can't buy them again, see? So I keep them stored away. <laughs> so the key safeguard is that it's what's stored away for those unexpected fears in the future. That's money. Money in the bank is a, that addresses those fears in the future. And that's what the Egyptians had to give when they gave for the bread and they gave all their money and that represented their security for the future. So when Joseph gathered up all the money that the Egyptians had, then the Egyptians were, they were forced to trust Joseph for their future. And you know, there was a man who came to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was really relying on his money to protect him from his fears of the future. It says in Mark 10, 17, Mark 10, 17, when he was gone forth into the city, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may hear in eternal life? The Lord said, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. First point, you better acknowledge I'm God. Then he says, thou knowest the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. He answered and said, look, master, all these things I've observed from my youth. Jesus beheld him and loved him and said unto him, one thing, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven, come, take up thy cross, follow me. He was sad at that saying, and went away greed, for he had great possessions. This wasn't just anybody who was telling him to sell what he had. He said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, is God. This was God telling him, sell what he had. And this man who represented a person who was very afraid of the future, and he, and he had a lot of possessions, he had money to protect him, but he was so afraid of the future that he says, wait a second, there's one thing I don't have, eternal life. And so that he, he, he said, that's why he runs in Mark 10, 17. Mark 10, 17, he says, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? I don't have that. I need that. And the Lord says, give up what you're clinging to for your security against the fears of the future, which was his money. So just like Joseph, who asked for all the money of Egypt, the heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, is asking this man, give up your money. Come follow me. Trust the Lord. Man wasn't willing to do that. What if the Lord would say to me, give up your Dr. Scholl's shoe inserts and trust me. But just as we see that Joseph requiring the Egyptians to give up their money to trust Joseph's future, when the Egyptians gave up their security for the future, they said, boy, before I trusted in my money for the future, but now I gotta trust in Joseph. I gotta trust him for the future. You know, before it was like, you know, trust in money, trust in Joseph. Now it's gonna go like this. I gotta really trust in Joseph. And, and that's what the Lord Jesus wants. He wants a person to transfer his security 
for the future from his money to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see here is a process. What we're going to see in this chapter is a process. It's a process of transferring what the Egyptians had to Joseph. First it's the money, then it's going to be the cattle, then it's going to be the lands, and finally, you know, in their persons. And this process of transferring trust to Joseph is what's seen in the life of a Christian, transferring trust over time to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what happens? He goes on in his life, he transfers more and more of what he's put his trust into the Lord Jesus Christ. Life for the believer is like the life for the Egyptians here. It's this process that we see continuing when the money runs out, you give that to Joseph. And the next step, verse 16, Joseph said, give your cattle. And, then, and here he says, give your cattle. That's the next step. Transfer your trust. What do the cattle represent to the Egyptians? Well, the cattle, cattle is, the, is what the oxen and so forth, they plow the fields. Represents their, their ability to work. Their ability to work. The Egyptians look at their cattle and, and they said, that's my ability to work. But they also looked at their cattle at that time and they said, look at my cattle. They were once fat and strong. Now, because of the famine, they're skinny and weak. The cattle are like me. They're fainting away. They're on the verge of dying from the famine. So what good is it going to be if I keep this cattle and watch them die from starvation? I'll give my cattle to Joseph instead of watching them die. After all, I do care for my cattle. And what did the Egyptians see happen when he gave the cattle to Joseph? Joseph took the starving cattle. And he fed them, made them strong and healthy again. And we all have these areas in our lives that we hold back and we're not willing to give to the Lord. We have our prized cattle and, 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 and we hold them back to the Lord and we say, no, that cattle is my prized cattle. I'm not going to give that to the Lord. And the famine gets worse. The famine gets worse and we see how what we've kept back from the Lord is not flourishing and, and it's dying under our care. So just as the Egyptians watch their cattle get worse and worse under their, under their, their care in the famine, they give it to, to Joseph and they watch their cattle flourish. And that's what happened to me. I gave my business to the Lord. I watched it flourish. Young man came up to me yesterday at, at the Jewish Evangelism Conference. He was from Lancaster, L.A., just gone into business, young, young man. And he asked me, what words of wisdom that I would give him for his business? To my friend John was sitting next to me. He said, that's simple. He says, buy low, sell high. <laughs> but I told him, what I've learned in the 40 plus years of being a business is that if you run your business with the intention of making money for yourself so that you can live for yourself, your business is going to struggle and you're not going to go, well, it's going to consume you. But if you run your business with the intention of making money for God and you live for God, then your business is going to go well. And that's like with the Egyptians, their cattle. The cattle represented their business. So they were in the agricultural business, and the cattle to plow the fields represented their business. And the Egyptians keeping their cattle, refusing and turning over to Joseph. It's like a person in business today who, who keeps his business for himself and doesn't turn it over to the heavenly Joseph. person does that then just as the Egyptian would watch his cattle get worse and worse, the person in business is going to see it become more and more of a stressful struggle. But like the Egyptians who turn over their cattle to Joseph, the person turns over his business to the Lord Jesus, he's going to see his business prosper, 
flourish. He's going to have a great sense of satisfaction, a great, a, 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 a fulfilling, a, a feeling of fulfilling accomplishment. And, and that satisfaction and that fulfillment, it comes from having an eternal business purpose, an eternal business purpose. To have a purpose of just making money in business, that's not an eternal purpose business, a business purpose. That's not an eternal business purpose. To have an eternal business purpose is to have a satisfaction and a fulfilling sense of accomplishment in business. Just think of how satisfied, how fulfilled those people were who brought their talents that they had made extra to the Lord. And think about how unsatisfied and unfulfilled and empty that man felt who only brought back what was given to him. He didn't do anything with it. In Matthew 25, 14, Matthew 25, 14, the Lord said, kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country, called his servants, delivered unto his goods. Unto one he gives five talents, another two, another one, every man according to his ability. And he straightway takes his journey. So he either receives the five talents, went, traded the same, made them five other talents. He must feel very fulfilled, very satisfied. He made five more. Likewise, he that received two, he also went and gained other two. He feels fulfilled and satisfied too. Got two more. But he that received the one, and again, these are talents that God has given for his kingdom. So we're talking about for the kingdom. He says, he that received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. He didn't feel fulfilled at all. It feels empty. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants comes, reckons with him. So he received the five talents, came, brought other five talents, say, Lord, thou deliverest to me five talents, I have gained... Beside them five more, his Lord says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he also received two talents, came and said, Lord, thou deliverest me two talents. Behold, I've gone two others beside them. The Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. But he that received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you. Oh, you are a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow. You're a thief. And gathering where you didn't straw. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the earth. So here it is. Like, here it is. The Lord said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, gather where I strawed not. Thou ought to have therefore given my, put my money to the exchangers. My coming, I should have had it received at mine own with usury. I should have at least gotten interest, which today is about 0.1%, but something. Take, therefore, the talent from him and give it unto him that hath ten talents. So what do we see here? What we see here is that, again, the smart Egyptians responded to Joseph. They gave him their means of business, their, their, their cattle, and it flourished. It's just a process. It's not, we're not finished yet. We're going to keep on going. It's going to get to a point where they're finally going to say, okay, take me, all of me, land, person, I'm yours. That's the goal that the Lord Jesus Christ has for each believer. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for recording all this for our learning. Lord, that we can look at these Egyptians and say, we want to be like them. We want to be like them. We want to be like them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 